As promised, friends, if you tuned into the last episode, you knew that I was going to be guiding you through a little bit of an update for the New York Football Giants. And then today, it is, of course, going to be Andy Makowitz breaking down those five keys to a successful offseason. He'll be focusing in on Big Blue, as you would suspect. And right out of the gates, he's going to touch on Marcus Golden. So it really dovetails off of my conversation yesterday with you all. And now you get a little bit of the Makowitz special. But before we do, of course... Drop that brass. This is your host, Andy Makowitz, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the Giants offseason. Uh, while we had a ton of cap space and we have spent a good portion of it, it still feels like there's a lot left to be done uh, for the New York Giants before we get to uh, training camps and OTAs. And so what I wanted to do today was talk a little bit about um, what I think the Giants need to do with the remainder of the offseason for me to look back and think that this was successful for the Giants. Um, So I've pinpointed five different areas in which I think Uh, If the Giants were to make these moves, and at the end of the day we walked away with this, I would be extremely happy and feel uh, like we really did what we needed to do with the remaining couple of months uh, before the season starts. So a lot of it is draft-related, and I'll get into that in a second. But let's start with number one. The first thing that pops into my head is we still have such a gaping hole and a need for an edge rusher. So my first, first thing that I think that we need to do is sign an edge rusher. Uh, my preference is to try to figure out what Marcus Golden's market is. Uh, you know, having familiarity with the team. Uh, a lot of people said that he was a leader inside the locker room, all around great guy. Would love to try to have a reunion take place. Now, one of the challenges is well, at what cost, right? So the reason why Marcus Golden remains unsigned is, is a few things. Um, one is that his price uh, going into the free agency was about $10 million, which a lot of teams said that's insane, that's crazy. Uh, a couple of unnamed sources said that he was really overshooting his market. Uh, and now people are saying it, it could be coming down to $8 million is, is what he's asking uh, you know, annual per salary per year is. And a lot of scouts are still saying he's not even going to reach that on a multi-year deal. Um, so the price of Marcus Golden is coming down dramatically, and this presents a unique opportunity for the Giants. Now, we have been uh, front-loading a lot of these contracts, and I'm sure uh, Marcus Golden wants to get paid, but there has to be a scenario where you can see a reunion happen for somewhere in the three-year, uh, $21 million range, and potentially um, you know, loading some things onto the year two guarantees, maybe giving him a, a little bit more of a guarantee, uh, would maybe get the deal done. You know, from Marcus Golden's perspective, this is probably his last time uh, in free agency to be able to to cash in and, and take care of his family. Uh, but at the same time, for the Giants, there is that injury risk. And, and uh, you know, is last year just an anomaly, you know, getting double digits in sacks? So for me, the way that I approach it is I think we have to be sensible. There are small cuts that we can make uh, with with the limited cap space that we have left. And I'd like to think that that would benefit us if it meant that we could get Marcus Golden back uh, on the team for, you know, a two or three year deal. Now, 
if we don't sign Marcus Golden, then I'm okay with taking a little bit of time to assess the edge rusher position. I don't think there's anyone else out there that I think we have to go grab immediately. I think this is one of those scenarios where we can look and say, what does the draft set up for us like? Where are we going to address this position of need? Uh, and maybe we address it multiple times in the draft. Maybe we uh, look to be able to trade up to get a person that we really want in one of the middle rounds. Um, but I think we need to, if we don't sign Marcus Golden, I think we need to use a little bit of caution here and not overpay one of these you know, older veterans. Once we come out of the draft, I, I still do, even if we draft an edge rusher, I still think we need to sign uh, a veteran leader to be able to help get some, some quarterback pressures, just knowing how the roster is constructed today. Uh, I look at guys like uh, Pernell McPhee, who has had his own fair share of injury history, uh, but when on the field is very productive and can get after the quarterback. Um, I look at a, a stopgap like Cameron Wake. You know, he's 38 years old, but still has a high level of pressure on the quarterback. And to be honest, you know, I've seen other giant uh, blogs be able to talk about Ziggy Ansah. I think he also would be a, a great addition uh, to our pass rushing core. I think the idea is these are all lower risk guys that I think will be available after the draft. They're kind of going to wait to see where the dust settles. And I think that's a great opportunity for the Giants to pick them up on a one-year, you know, prove-it deal similar to what they did with Marcus Golden. You know, we talked about before you want to be able to develop youth and you want to get younger. You don't want to get too old uh, when you're talking about the pass rush. But in this case, I think we do maybe need another veteran leader, uh, the veteran free agent that we can pick up and sign. So if we can get Marcus Golden before the draft on a three-year deal, you know, six, seven million dollars per year, I think that's the way to go. If not, I think we use a little bit of caution and, and hold out uh, till after the draft to see where the dust settles. Now, speaking of the draft, the second thing I think the Giants need to do, and I think uh, a good consensus of Giant fans agree with this, is we need to trade back on the first pick. Now, I know you're going to say, Andy, Dave Gettleman has never in his career ever traded back. And you'll say, Andy, when Jerry Reese was with the Giants, he never, ever traded back. So the GM has a track record of not trading back. The organization has a track record of not trading back. I completely understand that. But just because we haven't done it before doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do moving forward. And I think when you look at the top of the draft and you start thinking about positional players of need and the type of teams that want to move up, and what they're looking to do, the Giants are in a great position to be able to pull off one of these trades and not really lose too much value on what pick they're looking at. Now, you know, it looks like Joe Burrow is going to go, you know, number one overall. I don't see a scenario where he does not at this point, um, which kind of leaves the, the number two pick on the clock. Now, when we talk about the Washington Redskins and the Detroit Lions sitting at, at two and three, um, with the Giants picking at four, there's a lot of talk about you know Tua at quarterback and, and a team trading up. There's also the generational talent Chase Young at defensive end. Um, you know there is uh, the premier cornerback of the draft uh, Jeff Okuda that's sitting at the top, and that's kind of three premier guys that are sitting right at the top. You know if someone falls in love and is enamored with Justin Herbert, those are the types of players that people are going to want to trade up for because. You know, quarterback, edge rusher, and cornerback are all positions of need on the field that can make an impact right away. So for me, you know, I'm looking at a couple of different teams that maybe need a quarterback. You know, I know that the Raiders just signed Marcus Mariota. 
but they can get out of Derek Carr's contract pretty quickly, can draft a quarterback with some of the draft capital that they've put up, and be able to have a nice quarterback room where maybe Marcus Mariota starts the first couple of games if, if you know, the Justin Herbert or Tua isn't ready to play. But I think that is probably a better scenario for the future for the team and kind of gives them hope as they move into Las Vegas. You know, you look at a team like the Dolphins that have something like 14 picks in this draft. They, they really have set themselves up well uh, to rebuild for the future. You know, they've signed Ryan Fitzpatrick back, who, uh, you know, is a consummate pro, but definitely a stopgap. There's been rumors of, of Tua going to the Dolphins for at least uh, the last year or so. Um, I think that there's a scenario where they may want to be able to trade up with the Giants to be able to get their quarterback a choice. And, you know, the list goes on. You look at someone like the, the San Diego Chargers, who are, are currently penciling in Tyrod Taylor as, as their starting quarterback. You know, Cam Newton's out in the market. They don't even want to sign Cam. I find that fascinating. Um, but that kind of leads me to believe that they're looking at trying to get a quarterback and, and to develop a quarterback for the future. I could see someone like Justin Herbert or Jordan Love that may not be able to step in right away, or if two of his medicals don't check out, they would be a perfect trading partner, only a couple picks back from us. And lastly, I think the Jaguars are a team that we shouldn't sleep on. You know, they, they traded uh, Ramsey, they traded A.J. Boye, they've, they've kind of moved a lot of their assets along, and they only have Gardner Minshew on, on the roster today. Now, he played well, he has some promise, but they kind of got lucky. They, they drafted him with a fifth-round pick, I think. When you look at building for the future, they want to make a splash. They want to be able to sell tickets. I could see them using some of that capital to trade up for someone like Tua as well. You know, there are a few different trading partners. I know that people said with the quarterback carousel that's gone on in free agency, it dried things up. Uh, you know, the market kind of dried up. But I don't really see the moves, uh, you know, like the Raiders signing Mariota or the Jaguars trading Nick Foles, leaving a smaller market for the Giants to make a trade. So for me... I I'm looking at one of those four teams and saying, Giants, trade back. You can trade back a handful of picks, and most likely there'll still be a pool of guys that that you really are excited about. Which moves us to the number three piece. No matter what, no matter where the Giants draft in the first round of the draft, they must take an offensive tackle. I'm tired of trying to cobble this together. You know, we tried to make an investment in Nate Solder and, and thought he was going to be, you know, the be-all, end-all left tackle, and it just hasn't worked out. And rather than compound this mistake by trying to cobble things together and, and, and sign, you know, older veterans on a one-year deal just to keep Daniel Jones upright, I think it's time for us to, to take this opportunity and, and draft someone that will protect Daniel Jones for the future. You know, I've seen uh, some other mock drafts say that the Giants must take a, a wide receiver in the first round to help Daniel Jones' progression, and I just can't wrap my head around it. Yes, it would be nice to have another weapon on the outside, but taking an offensive tackle helps everyone on the field get better, not just Daniel Jones You know, throwing the ball. Daniel Jones will have more time in the pocket. Sa- Saquon Barkley can potentially get out into space with a real premier offensive tackle on the side. We won't need to chip block and keep people inside when we're you know, faced against a premier pass rusher. And it also lets some of these wide receivers more time down the field to get open. So that offensive tackle really checks the box on quite a few different areas. You know, Not to mention the idea of, of what we do at tight end and, and how that allows Evan Ingram to maybe be spread out wide a little bit further because we don't have to have him always on the, on, on the line you know, at the start of every play. To me, taking an offensive tackle is the only decision. It's not the decision. It literally is the only decision. And 
listen, I go back and forth with, with um, some of our listeners on which uh, of the premier top four offensive tackles they want to get. You know, all season I was all high on Tristan Wirfs just because when you watch him, he is a freak athlete that jumps off the screen. I knew that he was going to do great uh, at the combine and, and show off his athleticism there, which he truly did. It's catapulted him to a lot of people saying he's the number one offensive tackle, but I am still stuck on Andrew Thomas as the number one. You know, left tackle in the SEC, performed admirably, no issues there, doesn't have to switch from right tackle to left tackle. You can basically pencil him in if you want to start him at right tackle, hoping to see what you get out of Nate Solder, fine. But I think he's the type of guy that you could pencil in left tackle day one and potentially have 10 years of success protecting Daniel Jones on the left side. Now, when we talk about protecting Daniel Jones, you know, number four for me is an interesting one. I've seen a lot of people talking about the center position. My number four is whatever we do, do not take a center with our second round pick. I've seen a lot of people say Cushenberry and Rees and the center from Wisconsin. I've seen a lot of people say, hey, that could be a perfect situation for the Giants to, to pounce you know, early in the second round. And I'm just not as high you know, as my colleague Adam is on the center position and its value, especially in the draft. Um, the second round, there are so many other positions that we can fill with premier players you know, to jump off the screen, and, and that's edge rusher as well as wide receiver. I think while we say this you know, year's wide receiving core is extremely deep, I could see five or six, maybe even seven wide receivers going before uh, our pick in the second round. And that means that we're still talking about getting, you know, eight, ninth, tenth best wide receiver. I still think that there's value there because there is an explosive uh, group of wide receivers that we're looking at this year. You know, I've, I've talked about uh, Pittman Jr. from uh, USC as a guy that we could target in the third round. Uh, we've talked about Chase Claypool. Adam loves his, his athleticism and it showed at the combine. Uh, there are a ton of guys that I think add more value there in the second round. Uh, then I do think that uh, a center would provide us. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't take a center. I just think, you know, second round, the premier, you know, pass rushing positions and, and explosive outside guys is where I would focus my attention. You know, when we talk about getting into the third round, maybe you could sell me on the idea of taking someone like uh, Nick Harris of Washington. Um, you know, fourth round, you know, Jake Hansen of Oregon could be there. And, you know, hey, you know, heck, if we could get someone like Daryl Williams, who Adam Armbrecht has been, you know, touting and singing the praises of, if we could get him in the fourth or fifth round, uh, I think that would be a truly successful coup for the Giants. So, you know, the way that I'm kind of looking at this set up early on is taking an offensive tackle no matter where you are in the first round. You know, hopefully we get another first round pick out of it. Maybe we, we add some depth with a second round pick this year and another one next year. Um, but no matter what, in the second round, I just don't see uh, taking a center as a smart thing to do. I think edge rusher, wide receiver are probably the place to go. And looking later in the draft to be able to take a center uh, is kind of where my head is at today. Which brings me to, to number five. We talk about the tail end of the draft. And this is something that uh, I, was, I was talking to Adam about when we signed Deion Lewis. Is I still feel like a, a piece of the puzzle is missing in our running back room. And that leads me to believe that we really need to take a running back in the latter part of this draft. Um, you know, I'm, I'm talking about anywhere from the fourth to the seventh round. I think we need to start doing our, our due diligence 
I've I've brought up AJ Dillon of Boston College before. I think he's exactly the power back that we need that will complement Saquon Barkley and Deion Lewis. Um, that three-headed monster is something I can really get excited about. You have the explosiveness of Saquon. You've got the pass-catching ability of Deion Lewis. You've got the power of A.J. Dillon between the tackles. It feels like you know we'd have really nice complements to each other. Now, before the combine, A.J. Dillon had a fifth-round grade. And you know that's kind of where I penciled him in uh, to most of my mock drafts in, in, in talking with Adam. You know, he had a good combine. Uh, he's starting to look like he might even creep up in, into a fourth-round selection. I don't know how I feel going running back that early when we have someone like Saquon that we invested a first-round pick in. I think I'd begrudgingly do uh, something like that for A.J. Dillon. But let's say he's off the board and it's too tough and we still need to get a center like Darrell Williams in the fourth round. You know, I'm looking, and this is one of the sleepers that I'm really excited about and hoping to talk to Adam about this on one of our upcoming podcasts, is uh, Cincinnati's Michael Warren. Uh, Mike Warren is projecting to be a sixth-round pick, maybe a fifth-round pick. He is an absolute bruiser. He's 5'9", 226, and really, really strong runner through the tackles. I think he's the perfect guy to take in in the later rounds that can absorb some of those blows uh, during the course of the game to, to kind of keep Saquon Barkley fresh and, and not have to really involve Deion Lewis too much in the run game. You know, he had 19 touchdowns as a sophomore, almost 1,300 yards rushing. Last year, another solid year, 1,300 yards rushing, 14 touchdowns. So over the last few years, 33 touchdowns. A guy that we can get on the tail end of the draft that people are saying is a, is a, is a really, really strong guy between the tackles. So for me, I'm looking at kind of, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth round, you know, looking at a guy like A.J. Dillon or a guy like Mike Warren to be able to kind of round out the running back room as we head to training camp. So to kind of sum it all up, I know that that may have been a lot, but I think we need to sign an edge rusher. If, if it's before the draft, I want it to be Marcus Golden. Uh, if not, there's a lot of veteran free agents we could probably pick up. I think we have to trade back in the first round. We'll still be able to get value. Uh, there's a lot of QB needy teams that are going to be willing to trade up. I think no matter where we, we pick in the draft, it's got to be an offensive tackle. You know, Addressing the offensive tackle in the first round means that we probably don't need to take a center with our second round pick and can focus on an edge rusher or a wide receiver. And lastly, I think we do need a little bit of help in the running back room. And I think the later rounds is exactly where we can get it. And Mike Warren of Cincinnati, A.J. Dillon of Boston College, you're the two that I'm circling on draft day that I hope that the Giants can go ahead and, and say the name of. So that'll do it for our Giants offseason. Five things to make the remainder of the offseason successful. Um, Adam and I will be back on later this week talking a little bit about mock drafts, trying to understand where we are. I may be giving uh, Adam a little bit of a blueprint on where my head is at. Uh, So he may have a little bit of a competitive advantage, but overall, I think my roster will end up stronger. You can find us on social media, One Giant Podcast. As always, let's go Big Blue.